Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. We are online at what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find the link to our blog in the episode notes. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, share your favorite episode, and jot down our information wherever you wherever you found this episode. Um, my name is Andy Lipson. I'm a socialist and teacher here in Oakland. Uh, we're joined by uh, regular um, guests here, Kenny Zapeta, socialist and community organizer, and Jessica um, from from the Northwest, but also a teacher, but a college professor, basically, correct? Yep. Yeah. And today we should have been joined by uh, Jake, um, uh, Jake Kleisick or John Kleisick, but he's sick today and will be joining us next week to do a special presentation on some art and philosophy stuff that we want to go through. So um, so we're going to kind of wing it today. Um, and what we want to talk about is really um, the holidays are on, upon us. And in fact, when this episode drops, I think it'll be, it'll be Christmas Day uh, for many people who celebrate that. And kind of want to talk about the impact of COVID and Omicron and all this on either on us, on the spirit of the holidays, and um, see where that takes us. Um, so I think that's, Kenny, would you agree that that's kind of what we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, um, that was uh, what I proposed. <laughs> yeah. You know, talking about the holidays and getting together and, you know, the complications of doing that in the context of what I think it's, you know, fear mongering over yeah. Omicron, uh, because, uh -huh. Oh, can I just say one thing <laughs> that I believe Fauci said, please do not get together with unvaccinated family. I think he said that. So <laughs> that if that will give you an idea of what we're dealing with here. So, you know, telling people who are vaccinated, don't get if you if you have family members who are unvaccinated, do not get together with them over the holidays. So I think that says all you need to hear about what this episode is going to be about. And, you know, I, I think just from that point, um, what motivated me to think about this topic was the fact there's a bunch of people around me who are vaccinated, who are coming down with, uh, you know, the virus. Uh, we've uh, made the argument on this show that the vaccines were not designed to stop the spread, the whole premise of the mandates, right? Um, and uh, of the premise of uh, protecting others by imposing mandates on unvaccinated people. And so that again is like, on upside down right right now that I see a lot of people I know and it's not that I don't care it's that I'm not surprised that they're coming down with COVID they are a lot of people are because they they, they thought that they were uh, immune to you know getting any viruses and I mean and also it's also flu season right the flu has disappeared <laughs> uh, basically it's it's all uh, apparently all Omicron um, and uh, yeah, so in that context, I have a friend who's struggling massively because uh, they um, they uh, tested positive uh, for COVID recently. They were heading to see their family and staying with some friends. Um, this person uh, doesn't is not vaccinated and trusted some friends with that information because they were isolated um, uh, here in San Francisco by other people. And so when they came out positive, uh, because they went with bars with other people. Um, now they're being lynched basically publicly and thrown under the bus um, and being blamed for catching COVID, even though they were all 
in public areas. Um, and so now people, the biggest argument that they're guilt tripping my friend with is that now I can't see my family because of you. You know, because finally, right after two years of isolation and being split apart, spending a holiday season without family, right? Because that's what we were told last time. Here we are again, right? Um, uh, and so I was curious as to whether you, any of you have experiences or if you, your personal lives have also, you know, been disrupted uh, because of people's anxieties, um, you know, in what we see as uh, safety now versus what we used to see as safety. Yeah, I mean, it's absurd. And it's it's just a, the perfect example, right, of getting people to police each other in the absence of having actual, whatever, militarized bouncers at Christmas parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the interesting thing is, is that, like you said, Kenny, there are people who are vaccinated, the so-called breakthrough cases. Uh, there are people who are vaccinated who are getting COVID or at least who are, who are getting a positive PCR test, whatever that means, because I don't, whatever you, that's what we're talking about. There are people who are vaccinated and unvaccinated who are, who are having positive PCR tests. And for people to say that a person who, the person, when an unvaccinated person gets a positive PCR test, that they're to blame for the fact that, oh, I've now got a positive PCR test. But if a vaccinated person has a positive PCR test and other people get it, well, that's just breakthrough cases. That that's just, you know, what are you gonna do? Those are those are rare, which it isn't, you know. And and even even using, I, I don't even know if these things are Omicron or not. Frankly, you have to se- sequence that thing. And I have questions about how much what is being attributed to Omicron is actually Omicron. But if you just took the liars at their own word. Omicron is supposedly one of those things that has so many mutations in it that it may not be recognizable by the vaccine, which was made against the particular spike protein, right? So this thing is so mutated in the spike protein that it's not able to be recognized. And so it should be able to get through. So it's, so the idea, so if, if it's Omicron, if that's what you were saying, then everyone like vaccinated, un- unvaccinated, are frankly united in being potentially uh, subject to this. So it shows that people are not just buying into the state narrative, which I think is awful, but it it shows how much people are oriented um, to attack each other, right? Uh, one of the issues we were thinking we might talk about is immigration. And we it, it's common parlance on the left to know that undocumented immigrants are scapegoated in political seasons. And they actually are going to be this year, again, by Republicans, by and large. I don't want to talk about that, but that's kind of what's happening. That's how Republicans are kind of rebranding themselves as the ones who are like tough on immigration this this season, Um, which is why one of our members brought up that immigration is coming up a lot. It is coming up a lot because I think the Republicans are using that issue again this year. Um, uh, But that same left, which understands this, is again completely incapable of seeing how they are they are falling for a scapegoat tactic, um, and it's I don't really even know what to say about a left that is so that that is so not reflect reflective of itself to be able to do that to each other 
um, and not see how, not just how wrong it is to blame, right? But how inappropriate the blame is, how wrongly the blame is being placed in that situation. Yeah, so uh, we obviously have been primed into this situation, you know, of um, attacking, blaming each other. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's coming from the left, people that associate with, you know, more liberal values of, you know, some sort of egalitarian, better world. And, but what I've come to learn through this process is that, um, you know, we've talked about before, like this cult mentality, right? Like you can't challenge anything that's science related. And, you know, because it's, you know, it, it even evokes that, that statement that Fauci said, right? That he is science. You cannot question science. You know, cannot question Dr. Fauci. And um, I, I don't think this is new. I think that the, the pieces of this moment have been laid out for at least my adult life. You know, because when I think back in my long liberal, you know, years, uh, I do, I do see these elements of imposition of wanting to uh, uh, design a society, you know, um, from above, you know, uh, and that this also complete faith on the expert consensus and in complete. Um, you know, um, capitulation to people in uniform, basically. Okay. And by people in uniform, I mean people with like, some sort of authority, right? And I was actually watching Jimmy Dore, a uh, little bit about this comedian who was making, you know, basically telling you not to think for yourself, you know? And I know that New York Times posted that too. I've just had my third shot, a booster, they call it. How many more are they gonna make us get? Don't know, don't care. Because I, like you probably, understand there is a global pandemic and people much, much smarter than you and me have decided this is the best plan of action to avoid lots more people dying or cluttering up hospital hallways. My, this friend who I, I talked about, right, who's being isolated, who's being attacked, uh, this friend has had conversations with people and has, been able to protect uh, themselves from the attacks, you know, laying down um, the parameters for, an, for very tense conversations about the vaccine. And this person, like, it's in the same camp as us, you know, questions a lot, does not want the vaccine, their lives has been made difficult. And yet, even though they are in this camp, the, the pressure from outside is to really get into this person. Uh, this person is, is going as far as telling me, like, I just want to, I think I just feel pressure to go get vaccinated right now, even though they have, you know, they tested positive. They had a PCR test as positive and they do, they are exhibiting this, uh, some symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, not, no one around is having really like grave symptoms. You know, it's like the flu is the flu <laughs> it's symptoms essentially. Um, and, but again, it's just, my point is like the social pressure uh, in, I also think that's where Trump was instrumental in this, you know, in creating this binary, right? Either you're in science or you're against science. But in order to arm the left, not the right, arm the left, because when you brought up the, the Republicans, the Republicans are not the ones who are gonna deliver the world that the fourth industrial revolution requires. 
you know, it's good it, because they will face, resi face resistance. You know, we are here in the administration that's under Biden. One thing that I was so worried about was that people would relent in terms of putting some sort of resistance, even though it was misguided with uh, Trump. Um, because on immigration, you know, it, it, the same shit is happening. And then some, you know, um, and no one's saying anything. You know, they're staying quiet because uh, we got rid of the boogeyman and we're back to, you know, fighting these other evil. Um, and, and so, I don't know, it's just, um, my point is that this is not new. It's been a long process to get to this point. I've seen the, the, the seeds of this moment of imposing, censoring, uh, you're with us or against us from years back, you know, from when I was in college uh, in 2005 at UC Berkeley. You know, I, I've seen this um, polarization that is just, now we just don't have white or black, right? Or, or you know, uh, male, female, uh, or, you know, sexist, not sexist, or pro-immigrant, anti-immigrant. Now we have something that's present every day, you know, because it threatens your very own life. And so I see why people become cops, you know, and police others and are, are willing to do, uh, the shit that I, I see in, 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 that I've studied in societies that commit genocide. You know, with the humanize, they dehumanize neighbors that they live for for generations, but something changes on the, on the, you know, and the lynching is not happening physically, not yet. It has happened in some countries. There's been some people that have acted out of anxiety, but it's happening um, virtually, socially, and, in, in, you know, obviously I understand for that, but it's sad that it comes in the context of now because people are weaponizing that to, in, in the holiday season, right? To, to blame others, like it's your fault that I'm not gonna see my family. Never mind that it's, it's been the people that kept you from Christmas last year based on lies, yep. you know? On, um, so it, it's your neighbor, it's not, it's not the people at the top, it's not the public officials, it's not Dr. Fauci who flip flops, you know? It's not, uh, you know, the authorities that are gonna soon mandate a booster in order to grant you full, um, the full ability to participate in society, right? Like, because they are gonna de redefine that here in the US. They are, they're doing it in Europe already. You know, they did it in Israel, but it's coming for us too. Israel is on its fourth, right? It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, they obviously know that biggest, most effective pressure comes from family and communities, right? Like they know there's a high level of distrust of the government and a lot of institutions in this country, especially. And that's why they, you know, the orchestrators and ruling class have kind of like targeted so many, you know, they've targeted churches since the very beginning of this whole thing. They've targeted community centers they were sending people right into um, barber shops in black communities, like shit like that. I mean, it's like basically as, as far as you can get beyond actually entering people's homes. Although that even that has happened. And I know in like some places in the world, I don't, I don't know about the U S but, um, and then the media, I think, you know, that's one of the biggest crimes right is because the media because we're all so addicted to our smartphones and our uh, devices the media kind of is in your private home 
for a lot of us. And yeah, I mean, just like, I'm sorry, I'm like all over the place, but going back to like the immigration connection, I'm just thinking about like all the different types of borders and the way that, you know, with this holiday season, you know, it's like your doorstep becomes a border. And how are you going to police it? Or are you going to police it? Kenny, when you said, wait a minute, wait a, wait a second, the thing that's stopping you from seeing your family are these state measures. And is the fear that has been pushed by the state, by corporations, by the mainstream media. That is the barrier towards people. Seeing. There is no other barrier. It's, it's in, particularly in light of even their own, even their own language around Omicron is it's mild at best. Okay. Again, I have to, to always put caveats like if you believe, because I, I don't really know what is true from what they are saying and what is not. But if you if you buy their own language, that they would say it's mild. So the restriction. Well, they, but they, sorry to interrupt you, Andy, yeah. but like they always couch it as like it's very mild unless you're va- unvaccinated. Then then it could be deadly, right? Like what did Biden say? Like well, it's be like a I, and frankly, I I mean they will say that. There's a they'll say that greater chance of of hospitalization for because they'll say there's an I think it's an an eighty time what they say is an eighty time greater chance of hospitalization for unvaccinated. But here's what they mean, and this is again their numbers. They say if you're vaccinated with the Delta, this is with Delta, not Omicron. Um, again, I, I ha- it's like what it's a house of cards of lies. So I don't know what, but I'm just going to use their words. If you talked about Delta, 0.01% chance of hospitalization if you're vaccinated. That's what they're, that's their, that's their numbers. And a 0.89% chance of hospitalization if you're unvaccinated. So that's their 80 times greater. It's an 80 times. Everything is below 1% chance. And that's across the board, right? right. From all age groups. So basically we're saying that you have, a, you have everyone unvaccinated or vaccinated has less than a 1% chance of being, of being hospitalized. If you're um, under 80 and you're not obese, there is like statistically almost no chance. Like it's right. like on the level of being struck. Right. But this is just t- taking the numbers like aggregate of, of ages and things like that. And so that was with Delta. But Omicron, and already they're t- saying in South Africa, but man, Omicron came and went, <laughs> you know? And, and Fauci, I saw a headline today where he was saying like, Omicron is, it may be mild, Please do not think that the pandemic is over, you know, which, you know, it's like, he's not saying please, but he's saying, don't think the, the thing is, is over. So it's, it's just, it's astounding to me how, like, even I forget that the measures that are keeping us from seeing each other are either literally state restrictions on our move, movement or two, the head fixing that's been going, that's been going on, that they're not, you can just choose to say they're lying and I, I want to go see my relatives. Yes, I'm. People visit each other when they're sick. We've done that for quite some time. We've made choices about. Wait, I'm too sick to come. Maybe I'm not too sick. That has gone on for quite some time. You call your you relatives and you say, "Hey, I'm really sick. Are you okay with me coming down?" And they go. Generally, they say yes, particularly if it's the holidays, you know. And you know, unless you don't feel too sick to travel, that has. I have to remind people that's what the world was before. Now it's as if you know, no one can even get mildly sick. And, but again, that's because all of this has to be seen through the rubric of fear and control. And people are forgetting, even I am sometimes forgetting how that really is operating on us. Because 
when I think about traveling, I think about, am I allowed to travel? When I think about going into somebody's house, is it okay if I go into somebody's house? I'm not just thinking about my relative there. In some ways, the state is imposing itself on my own thinking that I could be doing something wrong if I, I do that, not just with regards to my family, but with regards to the, the, the state that I, this, this government that I live under. Um, so that's the one thing. The second thing is, I do want to say that the Republicans are just as on board about this as the Democrats. Uh, they've got a different way of doing this. Um, Trump just came out yesterday and basically said, everyone should get vaxxed. Don't let them, don't let them take our vaccines away from us. Basically saying, please, he's, he's trying to speak to his own base to say, please don't say bad things about the vax. Remember, that's my vax. I was Operation Warp Speed OG, right? And, and he's, so, he, so he's trying to tell his base, go get vaxxed. I got vaxxed. I got boosted. You should do the same thing. His base was okay with it. I don't think it's going to be a winner, but I, I do. It, it's clear to me that people like the Santos in Florida or the Republicans, what they're going to do is say, we'll protect, we'll protect you from the mandates, which I don't think they will, but they'll say that we're also going to protect you from the immigrants. So that's what they're doing. We're, we're the ones who are protect, who are going to keep U.S. workers safe. And anytime a Democrat says they're going to keep you safe, and anytime a Republican says they're going to keep you safe, I can guarantee you they're trying to like not keep you safe, you know. And that that is the thing that we have to kind of, uh, you know, just keep in mind. I don't know what, why my mind is going to religion, but um, something you were saying in your first point, Andy, about you know just the way that this is all like counter to the spirit of the holidays and the spirit of Christmas of like you're supposed to like bring your grandma chicken soup when she's sick right like that's how you show care not by isolating her and like never visiting her um and I yeah I'm not a religious person but you know Christmas I mean I it's not really a I don't really even think of it as a religious holiday anymore because it's been so corporatized and it's you know it's consumery but you know it is a Christian holiday right and like Jesus and the leper, like that's one of the, the iconic stories that even I remember from my like very early church school days of like, he went and, and touched the leper, right? That like nobody would go near and no one would help. And yeah, okay. Like he had whatever mystical, magical, not religious, haven't read it in about 25 years, but you know, there's something about that, like, human touch of, like, I care. I'm not afraid of you. And that, to me, is as much, like, the healing, you know, it's as much responsible for the healing as, you know, modern medicine now or whatever, or Jesus' powers. I'm I'm botching that <laughs> that Bible passage. But I don't know. Just It's just so ironic, right, that, like, we're all just walking around treating each other as dangerous, like, biohazards and it's all very 9-11-y like going back to your point Kenny about like how you see the progression from your college days like it's all you know like oh the terrorists could be among you so we have to screen you and you have to set up all these you know you know green orange red we're in the danger zone it's just all it's all very scapegoaty you know, like, you know, I, I mentioned in another episode, I've talked about my cousin, my family in Canada, you know, and I have plans to go back to Canada in, in, in July, you know, in summer. Uh, I have plans to go down to Mexico in 
to visit my partner's family again. Uh, we visited we visited them um, a few months ago, and the grandma's not vaccinated. They live in a ranch. There were cases there. Some elders did die, but they're still not vaccinated. She the, the conversation about vaccine never came up. You know, and we were fine. You know, and uh, same with my grandma. You know, I visited her this year after being isolated and. And so, again, just that point that, you know, being in community with people uh, without this, this, uh, this uh, sense of doubt, right? Whether, because I think that's what it's in the back of our minds has been programmed, this sense of doubt, whether someone is dangerous to you. And uh, the people that are more in, in, in that COVID cult <laughs> way of thinking, um, you know, um, act out of fear. Uh, and, you know, end up doing the beating of the state. Uh, and so, but I think now, like, you know, it, it is my, am I going to be able to see my family again? And also, like, I, like I said on the show here, I had to get vaccinated to go say goodbye to my cousin and be with my family. I didn't want to. Um, and yet my, I got the Johnson & Johnson because I didn't want it to work, you know, had the least efficacy, blah, blah, blah. And now it turns out that in two to three months, I might be illegal again. It would be illegal to enter Canada and see my family, be with my family. And, and, and never mind that it's their choice whether they want to interact with me, right? Never mind that, you know, um, and so we're imposing, it's also the same thing with, you know, my partner's grandma. She doesn't have the vaccine, so it's difficult for her to travel back to the U.S. She's a U.S. citizen. And my partner doesn't know if she will ever see her again because of this bullshit. And so that's where we're going soon because, you know, she's in her 80s. And um, it's not, we're not, she, my partner doesn't fear COVID as much as it is just these extra limitations in the shifting landscape that, you know, sometimes the borders will be open, sometimes it won't be. And, you know, it, it's just exhausting. And um, even among people that, don't give a shit about whether someone has COVID or not, essentially, because that's what my, my circle is, my family circle, my partner's circle. They, they don't ask those questions. They don't ask you to get tested. You know, I, my friend who I started this episode, um, talking about her, she has had to get tested to go visit family. You know, so that it, it's not just a job requisite. It's now you have to get tested and show proof you know, to some people who have anxiety about this. And that's why I wanted to talk about this to see if you guys have any similar experiences, uh, you know, with family, friends, uh, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm dealing with a similar situation and not quite as extreme, um, but just with the border situation because half my family is back in the UK those borders are open. Like I could go, um, but because I'm unvaccinated, well, first of all, I'd have to test before I go. And then once I get there and then I think like, forget if it's like three or five days after that, I don't know how many times it is. It's, it's an absurd amount of times. And I have, to, I would have to quarantine for 10 days. So that means like, you know, it costs a lot of money to fly from the Pacific Northwest to the United States. I have a job. I get like you know, 10 days, two weeks off for Christmas, I would have loved to go and visit like my grandparents. My gran is, uh, she just turned 91 oh. a couple weeks ago. She's getting really old. And I, I mean, I feel, feel exactly the same 
um, Kenny of like, I, I don't know if I'll ever see her again because I, I just don't see how I would be able to get over there. And so my, actually my aunt and uncle who live on the East coast. Um, so this is like her, my grandson, my uncle and his wife, um, they are there right now. And they're both vaccinated. Everyone in my family is vaccinated except for me, literally everyone. Um, and they went over and they, so she actually tested, my aunt tested positive for COVID like within the past month, maybe even less than that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, she's still, she's still out. They did have, they had to test like before they went and then they had to test once they got there and they did have to quarantine, but then as long as they tested negative within, I don't know, I think they had to quarantine for maybe like two or three days. Um, but then they tested negative. So now they're free because they're vaccinated. They don't have to do the whole 10 days. Um, so yeah, I mean, even, even for them, it seems like a lot of steps, some of which are completely beyond your control. I mean, these PCR tests are bullshit. Like we've known this from the beginning. Freaking like papaya tested positive. I mean, that's absurd. And I would be very worried if, even if I could get over there and like be free from the once the quarantine would be over, which apparently they do check up on you. Uh, I would be worried even about getting back into the US, you know, or you like getting stranded there. And they don't pay for, you know, it's not like they pay for lodging or whatever. So I haven't even gotten like to the point of having to navigate like my own family pleasing me because I haven't had that conversation because I can't <laughs> get over there. Um, my parents didn't want me to come visit them. They're in the States. Um, and I wanted to go visit them uh, multiple times during 2020. And they were uh, like not, they didn't like lay down like a law, like you may not come because you <laughs> haven't been jabbed, but that was kind of the subtext. It was like, it's not really the best time. Like maybe, maybe wait, maybe wait. And now it's, what has it been? Almost two years, almost two years of this crap. And people still think like, oh, if we could just get like that last, whatever percentage, it'll be over. Like it, it's not going to be over. Like it's never going to be over. I don't know. Yeah. And, um, that was what, uh, let me see if I can find this quote from this was a fellow socialist who I've respected for many years. I mean, and she's been an activist, um, you know, that we've worked together for many years around other stuff. Let me see if I can find this. Hold on. You know, there was, um, we, we put something out, um, about the December 18th day of action. Um, and, uh, I was on this thread and this person wrote, wrote, this is what this, this socialist wrote. She goes, you anti-vaxxers are helping to prolong this virus and cause more sickness in your community. Um, and I don't even know where to begin with the level of ignorance. And this is like a person who is a Marxist, who I know is not ignorant of the world, like who knows that the state lies and corporations lie and that the point is to divide each other. And I just... I can't understand, like, it's just so wholly untrue, even using the narrative of the liars, it doesn't hold together um, in terms of what we know about these, how these vaccines, so-called vaccines work. 
Um, so it's really, it's very, it's, it's like, it makes my mind a little crazy. Um, but I think in, in your case, Jessica, I mean, that is a more obvious case of literally the, the state interceding to just make it nearly impossible for you to, to see part of your family. And then the one at home with your folks, I mean, without putting it on personally on your own family, this, it makes me wonder. So I look, I'm not Christian, but I love Christmas. I, it was a great holiday. It was like, I would come down and see the tree and the train would be going on the tree and there was tinsel hanging on the tree and there were presents under it. I got really excited about it and I couldn't fall asleep on the, on the evening of the 24th. Um, and then it was great to be down there with my dad would sometimes be there. And even if my dad wasn't there, then my mom was there and there were stockings and we were all together and we'd just be doing that. And that, that is the memory that I have of this time of like family getting together. And I, if you would have asked me, okay, as, as corporatized as Christmas has become, whatever, you know, it's the major money-making period for the, for the businesses. But if you had asked me, if there was if there was a pretty substantial kernel of community still built within that within that thing um, within our country, I would have said yes. I would have said because we've all had those experiences and or some version of those. So, but it's I don't know what to make of how I would kind of say how how easily that has been ripped apart. Um, like like I don't and I don't think it happened from. I don't think it happened from Christmas just becoming commodified. Maybe that was the thing, but do are, are our traditions so, so fragile, if you will, like so built on nothing <laughs> that they kind of fell apart. Like wouldn't Christmas or Thanksgiving, I would have, I would have thought it would have had this kind of like magnetic attractive effect that would have had to be overcome that your parents would be like, you know what? come down for Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Like I would have thought, and I'm not putting it on your parents because I think this is happening around the country. Um, but I, and maybe this is happening. Maybe people are going like F you, we're getting together. And maybe that is happening. But if it is happening, obviously you're not going to get it from the mainstream media. And I think there's enough stories out there. And I can certainly say not as much from my own family um, because I think we would get together. And my reasons for not traveling are more financial because of my instability, my, my work instability. Um, and I just didn't want to put, uh, put anything on a pay. Like I didn't want to pay for anything major in the context of where we didn't know where future paychecks were coming from. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of what we would say as, as our traditions, as our culture. Is it, is it, was it so paper thin that it could just be taken apart like this? I don't know. That's kind of negative, but that's a question I have. And like to jump off from that is, you know, it's the question of, you know, like there's people who still, what I get long for no, normalcy, right? Some sort of sense of normal, you know, like uh, as time goes on, things change, evolve, and they get diluted. And especially when like, you know, you're not practicing, right? Like these uh, uh, rituals of getting together and making memories, you know, and um, sharing humanity, right? Like together. Um, so I don't know, like, you know, like if, if they will come back and, you know, I mean, I, I, I get the sense that you're asking a rhetorical question about this thing. You know, I've always thought that at least in the U.S. coming from another culture, you know, that 
this, uh, I, at least from my coworkers, the people I work with, it's always been like kind of a chore to go visit family, you know, mm-hmm. or like the, the family bonds have been, they're not as tight as in other places, at least from where I come from. Um, and mm-hmm. so there is no priority. And so I'm not surprised that these, you know, people are finding harder in the US to stay together. Um, because I, I know a lot of Latino community, they don't give a shit, they've gotten together <laughs> during this COVID thing. Okay. 30 people, 40 people parties, they still get together, you know? And um, my own family in Southern California, they're a mix of vaccinated and vaccinated, and, you know, they still live together, hang out together. And so just going back to that uh, notion of these bonds of, you know, community and like uh, holiday rituals, they're so loose here to me um, that, uh, and I'm seeing them, this process happen in Guatemala, you know, as Guatemala is becoming more Americanized, the bonds, the family bonds, because people work schedules that are opposite of each other. That's something that is normal here, but not over there. Over there, like most people used to be like at home by six o'clock, you would have dinner together or you would put a rocking chair and go outside and talk and, and play with your friends, you know, in, we are supposed to be an advanced economy, right? And we are way ahead in terms of the access to technologies and that plays part of it to me, you know, like instead of having kids play, playing in the cul-de-sac, right? That, uh, that uh, beautiful image, right? Of communities before, even in, in, you know, now you don't see kids even playing sports. They have to be forced, you know, because they're connecting to what I think is already the process of transhumanism. You're detached mm-hmm. from your body and your physical experience Mm. into experiencing the world through VRs, which are becoming more and more widely available, you know, uh, and, but again, but again, video games are not new. They've been there. They're just becoming more insidious. And just to make my point, I guess, I'm not surprised. It's, it's America, the U.S. And maybe in like more rural America, you will find more bonds, but like in the coastal areas, you know, the epicenter of capitalism, where capital has gone, you know, after decapitalizing rural America, there is no sense of community. I came back from Canada and my family lives in a, like, not in Montreal, but like some time away. And I, I, I wish I could have stayed there. I have no community in San Francisco, you know, like over there, obviously we were brought together by a death, you know, and people didn't give a shit. No one asked me if I was vaccinated. No one asked me if I got tested, you know, and I, with random people, we were just mourning, you know, my cousin who brought a lot of people together. And, and so I came back to San Francisco and it's like dystopia, you know, everyone's afraid of each other, you know, um, and now my coworkers are talking about infections, COVID infections that happen at a staff party from another place that we know, and everyone's freaking out. You know, and like I, but but at the same time, I find that being that a, to be a prison, like a mental prison, because I'm not afraid. Like you know, like I, I, whatever happens, happens. You know, like I can't control that. My the only thing I can control is whether I'm healthy and as as healthy as I can be. And part of being healthy is not being afraid, and that's the the thing that we've forgotten. Yeah, I mean, I think isolation breeds isolation Mm -hmm. right and it like I completely agree with you Kenny that 
our bonds, especially in the US, like they really are that fragile. And that was something that was happening before COVID. And I was totally guilty of it. Like kind of with the, like the financial thing, Andy, like, yeah, I mean, I've been living like pretty much paycheck to paycheck for most of my adult life. And so it was a lot of times, like it was just a lot easier to not visit people and to just stay home. And, you know, I'm like kind of a homebody anyway. And, Oh, I have to work or, Oh, I have to like, it is, it's, it's hard. Like it's, it's hard and annoying and expensive and yeah. I mean, you have to go out of your way, uh, even if it's like local, even if you're not having to cross like a border. And then since COVID they've made it so, so easy to stay home. Right. It's like you have zoom and you have uh, the whole internet, right. And you've got New York times articles about how to bake sourdough bread from scratch and like whatever like they've given you every single tool and temptation and reason in the box to stay home and to not not go and not be in community and so yeah I mean I think it's for a lot of people like yeah it's just they don't you know maybe they're tempted for a second or they think oh like that would be nice or I could but ultimately like it's just so much easier not to and I was, I was like, I mean, there's like 4 billion articles like this from the past two years that somebody posted on social media this morning, uh, an Atlantic article, an editorial, I'm assuming, uh, that said vaccine refusers don't get to dictate terms anymore. And then the subtitle is people who opt out of shots shouldn't expect their employers, health insurers, and fellow citizens to accommodate them. And so I, I feel like that word accommodate, like that's so perfect. It's now it's become like this massive, like burden, you know, for anybody to like, God forbid, you know, take on that risk of letting somebody whose status they might not know, or, um, you know, even just like to get on a plane. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, listening to what you're saying, Jessica, Maybe I think it might have been a mistake not to uh, not to head to Dallas to see my family, even if we were. I was, you know, stressed about, uh, you know, because I, I think I fell right into what you said, and particularly mm-hmm. now, because of what Kenny, what you described, is what happened for you when you went to Canada. I actually think it's going to be important for me to remember that going over that additional hurdle that there that has been intentionally placed there is going to be important. Um, to kind of re re remind myself about connections. So yeah, that doesn't have to be at Christmas. I mean, yeah, no, I understand, but I, it could have been. And I think I would fall subject to that same thing that you're describing Jessica. And I'm just going to mental note. Uh, maybe I'll put it at my resolution for new year's um, to actually not let those hurdles get in the way of things that, um, that are important and, are, and that are being intentionally destroyed um, and, not, and not let that happen. I'm very conscious of it, say like in our, in our workers and students for choice group and in the in organizing kind of stuff, like to not let, he, let us get just frayed easily. But I think it's just as, it's just as true um, for family. So, and, and for friends and things like that. So, although, you know, like, well, I mean, to, between me and Kenny, all I have to do is go across a bridge to get there. And I don't, 
Kenny, you and I haven't really seen each other that much. So I think that's important to, to do. Um, I haven't seen Brian as much. And so just kind of taking a little inventory on not letting uh, myself fall into the trap that has been opened up for me. I think that's like a completely normal American experience. Like pre-COVID, like friends are people you see, like as adults, working adults, friends are people you see like maybe once a month, you get together for coffee and you like just puke out like all... (laughs) you know, this is the updates on my life. Here are the highlights, the bullet points. And then they tell you yours and then you leave and then you go do it again in like a month. <laughs> I mean, that's like a pretty typical like adult friendship and it's really sad. I mean, I think it's part of this system, you know, again, it's this isolation and that's why it's not surprising that this is happening with COVID, right? Like, you know, this further isolation uh, at a more minute, like precise level, even within our own, you know, immediate community. Um, And, you know, that's why I'm like, I try to speak up about this stuff because that is what I'm trying to preserve, you know, like, because that's what I think makes us human. Otherwise we're just machines producing some shit and we're not interacting with someone else. We're living like, and I have this phrase, I guess I live, I work to live, I don't live to work. You know, and and also I like another phrase in my mind is like fuck Fridays. You know, we even like the fucking happy hour. You know, uh, someone like a Richard Wolf. You know, also like a Marxist. Uh, he talks about that the happy hour was invented. You know, to uh, kind of mitigate the miserable lives that we we live here. You know, and you know, like I don't want that. And it turns out that it's worse because. People, I, I get why people would want to work from home, right? Like, because even people are asking for this shit. I get it because your job is shit, you know, very likely is shit. And so a lot of people would rather work from home. But the, 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 what I think is ironic is that you're bringing work into your own home. It's more invasive and more omnipresent. You cannot detach yourself from work. Now it's in your house and your place of safety, you know, and, and that, again, is an assault on humanity. On, on safety, on psychology, you know, on, on spirituality, on everything, you know, uh, and that is contrary to public health, <laughs> you know, that is contrary to a healthy life in my view. And, you know, yet it's another instance where just like people policing themselves, we ourselves are inviting, you know, this virus, which I call capitalism into our homes you know, and deteriorate us even further. You know, Brian in his episode, uh, he talked about how the system basically breaks you down emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And the, the, the more insidious it becomes, because that's what, that's what tracking is about, right? Like, that's why they want to know everything about us to see how much more juice they can get out of us, you know, uh, us in, in nature in general. Um, and so the more we ask for these things, the more, the more we don't question these things, the more we don't resist these things, the more we don't dissent and, and, and reject even their laws, you know, because, you know, like the, the dictations, the, the less we'll have to save, you know, and in terms of our own humanity. And, and so, I don't know, it's just all happening so fast. And the, the scary part is that that, what I just described, the, the fact that people are asking for it, 
is what makes it intangible. Like people don't see it as dictations, you know, in, in, in you know, techno fascism, you know, like they don't, you know, I've had people who see what's happening in Europe and they're like, that's never gonna happen in the US. You know, and I'm like, well, it's different, but it is happening. It is already here. You know, mm-hmm. same thing, same thing with Canada. Even my cousin who passed away, I, we talked about this topic and he was like, damn, like Americans are stupid. And then I started asking him questions and I'm like, I'm sorry, but Canada is way ahead of us actually in terms of, you know, implementing this bullshit. And so, uh, yeah, this is global. This is insidious and it's scary uh, because that's the sad part for me that we are asking for it in 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 a lot of ways i wanted to add to just on the significance of the holidays i mean traditionally for a lot of us like it is a really happy time but it's also like for people who are yeah. suffering yeah. if they're unemployed or they come from broken homes or they don't have a good relationship to their family or they're struggling as often, I think like suicide rates go up, right? Drug abuse goes up every year. Um, people drink too much. People isolate themselves. So I think, I mean, all that is just going to be compounded. I'm sure it was last year. I, I mean, I think there's probably going to be a lot of people like taking their life the next month. Yeah. And I don't even think it's just unemployment. I mean, or even like a, some fixed problem. I have often heard about this November, December season as a time when people kind of go through depression or kind of it's a downtime for them as much as it's, and sometimes people think it's because everything is put so happy and they don't feel, I don't know what, but it, there's no doubt that this, that I think it's that a period that historically has been sometimes a downer for people. This, that that can't get better. And with Omicron, is that how you say it? Omicron? I don't know if it's Omicron or Omicron, but it's not the way Brandy pronounces it, which is Omnicron. I feel like they do that on purpose, like make people say it like five times more than you need to say it. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just like in your head. Yeah. Uh, you know, like a lot of this, a lot of the support places, hotlines and, you know, shelters and stuff like probably won't be accessible because Omicron. Right. Because COVID. Um, oh, can we go ahead? I have a question. I don't know if this is the right moment or if this is the episode to ask because I just had this thought, right? Like wondering about what the end goal is for this, right? Um, that is not, I don't think it's to get 100% vaccinated people. You know, the end game is to, for me, to get everyone connected to the systems of surveillance and tracking and data mining. And so I wonder if at some point they will relent on the vaccines and they will dedicate and double down on contact tracing as the way to keep us safe, you know, from anything in the future. Like, or, I mean, do you see a scenario maybe playing out like that uh, where, you know, again, they will admit this, okay, this vaccine, they will say that the virus has evolved too much where like these vaccines are inefficient and focus on that contact tracing with, which I think again is, kind of the holy grail for the you know this industrial revolution or whatever bullshit i feel like they're already gonna lose people now that the boosters are starting to be required because it's like okay say i say you convince me and i change my mind i'm like okay sign me up 
I can get the vaccine, but then like, I still would have to wait, what is it? Six months or something to get a booster to even be like granted my freedoms. So like, if they keep rolling out these boosters, like some of us are just like, we're, (laughs) we're done. Like we're never going to catch up to that level, but that doesn't really answer your question, but it just made me think of that. But what do you think, Andy? Well, I, I think I agree with what you're saying, which is, first of all, I don't think they want it. They necessarily intend to get a hundred percent. I think if they get, if they get essentially 85 to 90% buy-in on lockdowns and state power in order to keep us safe, then, then they can rely on that percentage that supports them to, to get rid of the dissent that to the extent that it exists. So that's how I, how I look at it um, in terms of that. But I also think the fucking phones too. It's the stupid smartphones. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I think, I think, issues like global warming are going to come into play and um, there's going to be cyber crap that's going to happen. I think frankly, because of the thing I read that Jake sent with about the spars, a new virus that's being role modeled for 2025 in the Johns Hopkins study. I think we have a new round of pandemic. So I think they have like the way I look at it is waves, right? you know, they push a wave and they get something instituted and they come back and they push another wave. Like Jessica, you sent that article about university of Washington being at home. You know, everyone's going to be staying at home for the week when they start. And they're just they're. I feel like they just keep hitting us with cycles of control um, to institute various parts of the thing that are still not in fully in place, like the level of remote they want to go to, but like they didn't really, they didn't really go that hard on Delta. But then now with Omicron, they are. Even though Omicron, by all by all stretches, is even from their again from their own thing is is less dangerous. But whatever, the the thing I think the, the things I'm looking for is the implementation of digital ID, like that. How well that starts to come together, and how that gets integrated with all your other information, not just health information, but other elements of your, and how much it starts to feel becomes and then when our currency goes digital and then when the social credit system comes into play these are the elements that i'm looking for to see how how there can be alternative you know how that there can be alternatives built to that that's those are some of the markers i'm looking for to see where they go next but from my vantage point um i don't think like again i do see this ending in world war three because i do think there is a competition in play not a collaboration so I don't think this goes too much further. Um, what uh, do you think World, world War Three is going to look like? Maybe? So I can prepare myself. Well, let me just say this. No, Britain, I don't know. But all I know is that the World Wars were surprised because World War One was a surprise because it brought in um, technology that was only first introduced, seen in the U.S. Civil War. And then the body count was way bigger than they expected because technology of the time was brought to bear into modern warfare. And so that was the 15 million person body count. And then when you have 50 to 60 million killed in World War II, again, the technology of the day, and that's pre-nuclear war, really. Um, that technology of the day was brought to bear to essentially create a body count that was, again, very much a surprise. So personally. I think we have to, I think there will be a war in which the technology of the day is fully brought to bear so that one side who's the various sides are determined to win and will 
flip the board if they if they're going to lose. Um, and so, so you think there'll be like nuclear weapons used? Yeah. I think everything will get brought to bear. I think it's bioweapons. I think it's nuclear weapons. I think, I think they will fight this like a caged animal because they are desperate. I mean, and people think, oh, they're so powerful. It's like, no, they, they do feel desperate in relationship to a, to a competitor, just like Britain felt desperate in relationship to Germany and even felt desperate in relationship to the United States, but couldn't do anything about their displacement. I think they feel desperate in relation to us too. I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous. Like their, their narrative is so absurd and they're going to such lengths that I do, I do think they feel threatened by the paupers too. Yes. I, I would just say that when I think about our, what I call our ruling class, you know, the U of the U S I think they're afraid of the U S working class but I think they're more afraid of rising China right now than the U S working class because of the level of struggle in this country. If the level of struggle was higher then I, I know that they're, in the, they're looking over their, over their shoulders. They know that there was the thirties in this country and they know there's a history, history of revolutions in other countries that they don't think them see themselves immune from. But I think their more immediate threat that they are organizing their, the society around is the data collection. Um, the, the level of data collection that's going on that China is getting away with, that the left actually in this country actually calls China a success story in relationship to COVID because they're being so successful in data collection. That level of big data analytics collection is what the US I think is really concerned about in terms of AI development and what they see that as a game changer for, we can have the most mass, US could have the most massive military but if China develops an AI that is substantially different than what the U.S. is able to develop because of the, collect, the ability to collect data across the globe, then I think they're concerned that that can be tilted and flipped because of the, 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 the force multiplier that a particular AI would represent. I think, too, because all that technology is dependent on resources, especially like you know, lithium, cobalt, nickel, all that. And I know China, I mean, the U.S. is kind of losing its grip a little on imperialism. I mean, they just had that ALBA meeting, right, last, was that last week? Mm -hmm. And China's, you know, all up in Africa. Right. I mean, all over the world, but especially in areas where there's yeah. very rich, they're very rich in natural resources. And then especially when it's combined with like, people starting to rise up and realize like, Hey, actually we want to be a sovereign nation because we are a sovereign nation. Let's kick the U S out and, you know, maybe do business with China. I don't know. And I, we obviously, you know, these uh, geopolitical big movements are relevant, right. For our lives. And like, I also see like a possibility there, you know, in, in terms of, we already know 9-11, right? What happened post 9-11, you know, the systems of surveillance and, uh, you know, FISA courts, you know, the secretive operations and stuff and the ability of the government to detain you if they're accused of terrorism you know, indefinitely. Uh, and so I see the, this possibility too, like in the case where war breaks out, right? With uh, never China. Um, and these technologies of surveillance will be used for our own safety, you know, again, you know, to decide who's an enemy, who's not, who's at the center, you know, who's not, who, and, and so, again, these technologies that are coming live, 
have an implication beyond the vaccine, beyond COVID, you know, in, in, in you know, just about controlling uh, dissenting voices um, in, in the context of more competition, right, between these empires. Um, and so, and these technologies are already in place, actually, in the border, the southern border. You know, the face tracking, you know, face recognition and all this stuff, you know, the sensors. That's one thing that people get wrong about the southern border, you know, and the, the whole narrative that the Democrats built about the wall and the Republicans built about the wall. Because the wall is not a physical, it's a digital wall, you know, um, and it's pretty efficient, actually. <laughs> You know, at, at doing what it does, and it, it involves camera, cameras, drones, robots, you know, sensors, satellites, um, and soon geofencing, right? Because that's what the, 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 the implications are of this contact tracing bullshit that they can control, they can track where you're at, you know, they can track your movements, and depending on your behavior, uh, limit you from participating in certain aspects of society. Um, the more connected we get to this bullshit. Um, and even your money won't be worth it because it's digital money can be shut down, right? Like we talked about that versus cash money that you can use anywhere. And especially when someone is wrongly, you know, convicting you or accusing you of something. Um, and so, but the, the corners where you can be an individual with independent minds will be hard to find, you know, those corners. Uh, and, and again, that's Big Brother, right? That's uh, George, George Orwell. And, you know, and I think we're well on our way. And, and I guess my point again is just, it's not just about the vaccine, the damn vaccine or, or COVID, you know, that we have to fight. And that's why that other conversation that we were going to have, right, about borders and participating with people that may disagree with us in terms of immigration will have to be on the table if we want to be successful of fighting the shit that's coming, you know, because it's not just limited to this, because I, in fact, think that in order to understand the vaccine passports, you have to understand immigration. You have to understand the road of borders, because like you said, Jessica, um, our borders are coming to our doors and like, mm -hmm. people's individuals, people's lives individually, and they will be the, the first line of policing, you know, whether they want to affect or like throw someone under the, under the bus. That's why I, I get scared, you know, or like uh, about my friend's experience, right? Who's being outed and thrown under the bus, right? Like there is no, there is no um, jail time. There's no things like that, right? But we're not that far from there. And brings me back to Justice Scalia, right, Lipson, where, where he said something along the lines of, if you think we will never have concentration camps in this country again, you're crazy. Because again, all this, it, it's at play. And that's why it's important to not only understand history, to understand our present, you know, um, and um, in our future, really. Um, because like, and we have to use some imagination because things don't play out exactly the same way, but the, the same mechanisms and structures that motivate this behavior are still here. And so that's what we're going to have to talk about other topics that and how they, you know, they, they are related. I think too, we are really, really fucked with this Assange verdict. 
um, with the appeal, you know, being seemingly successful. Um, I mean, I know people like to really minimize like this one guy's struggle, but it is a fucking insane precedent. And like you're saying about shutting down dissenting voices, which they've already done a really good job of, but this is going to be, I mean, every, every journalist could be prosecuted anywhere in the world. Like anytime you, you say anything bad, anything that would expose us power. I just, I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm very worried about like how people are even going to get their information in a, in a scenario, like whether it's world war three or, you know, just the next 15 different variants of COVID or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, look, um, early on when, when we first did start our episodes of what's left, even before Kenny joined us, Ken, Eduardo and I, I was forced to kind of say, well, what do I think are the basics of Marxism? Um, and one of the things that I kept on coming back to was how Marx described capitalism as the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie. And he wasn't just saying occasionally it was the like sometimes it was, he was saying that is the system, that is the system you have been living under. You have been living under a dictatorship, whether you knew it or not, you were born into a dictatorship and you know, it's been, it's been there since the American revolution, <laughs> you know, with the, with the rise of the capitalist class, at least in this country, and you, might, you could have said the same thing with the French revolution across the pond, but he was saying you are just replacing one dictatorship, which was the feudal order for another, um, which is a rule of a minority over you. And I think that's something that's really been, for me, it's been borne out. Like the veneer of democracy that we have lived under as being, it, some people might be saying, oh, wait, our democracy is going away. And I, I think what's really happening is like, it's like um, in the movie Batman, the Joker, you know, he had the flesh face. And then when he, when, when he would press on his, on his face, it would reveal the white, the, the, his true white face underneath, you know? And I think that's what's happening is the, is the mask of, of democracy that, that we lived, have lived in is being kind of melting away to reveal what the true form of government we live under, which I think is a dictatorship. Um, and we just didn't know it, uh, where we weren't, uh, we didn't feel it in our bones, um, the way that other people do in under what appear or feel like real dictatorships. Um, and so I, I, think that's, I think that's why like the Republicans are not going to be much help. Cause right. you're not going to like fucking patriotism your way out of this. But, but Assange is, is, but it, each step they take to, to make, to normalize that dictatorship, which is what is happening under COVID, what's happening under here, that is a threat, a, a definitely menacing threat. It speaks to, again, the need to build alternative institutions that are opposing those things that build, that protect people who are trying to get, like WikiLeaks was important because it, it, it apparently, I mean, some people would say it was controlled. I don't know, but I'm just saying it got out information about what was going on with the government that they did not. They seemingly did not were not able to control. So if we're if those if those if those places are going to be found that can get information to us that cannot be controlled, the movement is going to have to build its own safety structure for them because the state is saying increasingly there is no shelter to be found 
if you try to mess with us. Um, so that it will only be in us building an alternative that can protect itself and protect people who are trying to get information about the state to us. That's the only future because it's going, if you try to work within the state and expose the state, you're going to get kicked out of school like me, or you're going to be made to leave like you did, Jessica. You know, it was only a matter of time. Or if you're a reporter, you're going to get the lesson like, you better shut the F up or else this is it for you. Yeah, I mean, every reporter, like every independent journalist in the world should be afraid for their life with this. With this yep. Yeah, you and you bet if a whistleblower comes to you to give you some stuff, this says don't ever put this out there because you are going to jail. You'll be hounded, you'll be tortured, and you could be killed and extradited to the United States into one of their whatever Guantanamo Bay things. For me, the it, it will be important for the people that are seeing through these lies, right? The the COVID uh, narrative and the vaccine BS. It will be important for these people to to recognize and start questioning other things, just like I started questioning all vaccines now, <laughs> like and everything I put in my body. And like I, at one point, I probably did dismiss anti-vaxxers. I probably was in that camp, yep. and you know, in um, but just like I've done that, I think it's going to require people to do their own uh, wrestling with what they've learned, what they think they know, you know, including the mythology of the American history. Right, like the patriotism and the the idealized bourgeois, you know, capitalist history that we've been taught, and and, and therefore a sense of ourselves and who we are, you know, all that is going to have to be wrestled with, um, you know, in people to their different degrees, and people are going to have to take learning into their own hands because it's not going to come from Instagram or or the news or you know or some fucking university, right? That kind of limits the scope of understanding the world. Um, you know, people will have to learn how to learn, you know, uh, and, and, and be critical and, and also trust and build confidence and empower their own selves, you know, to be able to, you know, to say, yeah, that's not what I think, you know, and, and fuck your expertise, you know, uh, and, and be willing to engage with people, you know. Um, this is at the beginning of an acceleration of a process and that encompasses many areas, encompasses the environment, you know, immigration, health, livelihoods, uh, you know, safety, shelter, war. Um, and so it's going to take a lot of people coming together um, and, and organizing to build those safety networks, you know, to keep each other safe. Because if you think you're a prepper and, you know, and you have your own guns and your cans of food, you know, we already talked about isolation. Good luck just being, you know, hiding in a hole. You know, and what kind of life is that? You know, and um, and so, you know, in and obviously it's gonna take a bunch of approaches. You know, underground, in the light. You know, and a bunch of things and people with different ideas. Um, and so, again, my point is that this is more than just a fucking vaccine in 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 the passes. This is uh, literally the restructuring of a uh, global governance system, you know, and, and it's gonna dictate how we live the rest of our lives and, our, and the kids behind us, you know, and, and whether we still have organized society because it, it will probably end up in a war, you know, because uh, that's what happens when competing powers, you know, 
and the U.S. has lost a lot of grip, you know, in, in, in many areas. And we've said no empire goes down without a violent end, you know. And Lipson, you said in another episode that it took two great world wars for the British Empire to, you know, capitulate to like, you know, a secondary role in the world. Uh, and those wars cost a lot of lives and, and exhibited the latest technology um, for devastation uh, rather than liberation for people. And so that's what's at stake. Again, you know, it's not just resisting individually self-determination and autonomy. It's literally safety for now, for the future. It's about control of your autonomy, you know, and, and fighting for actually an actually an actual democratic society because just like you lips and i agree we don't you know we don't and and i think we like we don't live in a democracy and we lack the imagination to understand that we don't live in a, in a democracy and what democracy actually is and and so some of these people who were misguided by boosters sorry by the vaccine on the first round I'm hoping that some of the people that don't want the booster will come on our side and realize some of this shit. So it will take also engaging with people that we previously disagreed with, you know, and that are 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 changing their approach. Because I am seeing that at least with some people around me, they're starting to switch slowly, you know, to question more. And so, yes, they're the powers that be are betting on getting more people vaccinated. And our side, I guess, is betting on where people questioning the vaccine and the boosters and the passports. And so welcome to those people, you know, to the struggle. Yeah, I think on the one hand, I, I think we do have the tools, at least at this point. I think we have a limited amount of time, but I do think we have the tools to, like you're saying, set up, whether it's parallel societies, alternate systems mutual aid. I think we can do it. I think what scares me the most is just the the amount of trust that I think we have to have in ourselves. And when I look around, like even within people who don't buy into the narrative, and this kind of goes back to like what we were talking about last week with like just the pervasive like dis dis uh like disembodiment and disconnection. Like even like, of course, from each other, but also just from ourselves. Like, I think you have to have, you have to be really centered in yourself to have those conversations and be willing, like you said, Kenny, to say like, oh, maybe I, maybe I need to hear another perspective on whatever issue X or Z. That scares me. Um, but yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, I want to end on a good note. So I'm going to share it. Stay with me. Okay? This was a. This was really. Gonna, it's not going to be doom and gloom. Trust me. Merry Christmas, everybody. We're going to have World War III. So, so um, yes, we 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 can't have a holiday episode that is so depressing. Um, and but I'll, although I think there were elements of hope that you both spoke to, and I will too as well because I do think I've been talking with Brandy about like. She has just become like I feel like Brandy is another example of how quickly people can shift into action and be go from person who's concerned about something into like really active and really 
I just think that's what happens to people sometimes, you know, and I don't, I, it, it's been surprising me the, the the speed with which she has, you know, kind of shifted into a gear of activism that I'm kind of falling behind in relationship to her. Um, but so I, that to me is a story of hope for all of us changing. Um, that's number one. But number two is um, Jessica, I think, do you remember, was it two weeks ago when I said that I had no Christmas spirit? Yeah. See, look, I got found my Christmas spirit. This is, this is for Brandy. You won't be able to, oh, you can't see it. It says, oh, it's upside down. (laughs) For my my fabulous, beautiful wife, you know, it's a little gift and I'm, I was excited to get it. Although it's not the greatest, I've gotten better gifts, but (laughs) I finally, I finally figured out what I wanted to get her. So I found a gift and it wasn't just like, it was actually came from Christmas spirit coming, coming into me. So I am feeling better now. I am feeling more like I'm ready to celebrate the holidays. We've got a tree there. This, this gift is underneath the tree. Um, and uh, we're going to make like Turkey and, um, and, and, you know, have a dinner together and stuff like that. And I think we're actually going to get together with um, some people from workers and students for choice after the holidays um, that we, that we've, you know, come to be friends with. So, yeah. That to me is positive. Hope springs eternal. Yeah. I will say I actually had one of my favorite holidays of my whole life last year in 2020. I went to like a Friendsgiving at um, one of my few friends who does get it, did get it. And she opened her home and it was just like all of the misfits and people who had been cast out and weren't allowed into their homes. Like all of us just flocked to my friend's house and it was a big like potluck uh it was the best food I've ever had on Thanksgiving it was amazing and it was so joyful and yeah I mean it wasn't like blood family but I think you know if there's someone you can connect with even if it's just small like it doesn't have to be a party do it (laughs) do it completely agree do you have do you have any special plans that you're excited about or um, we're not really. I mean, the other, the other thing being here, like, uh, we aren't really that tempted to travel because we're basically in like, this town is like a little bowl, like surrounded by mountains. And the passes are fucking like dangerous um, with the snow and stuff. So yeah, we're we're just hunkering down. It's actually really nice because my partner usually has, um, he's got a really big family and they're they're all nuts, but lovely. Um, so he oftentimes will like jet off to somewhere. Um, so it's kind of nice to have him here and actually my like gift, um, maybe I'll get him like a real gift between now and Saturday, but, uh, my like gift for him was we, um, I rented some skis and we went actually yesterday out, uh, onto the mountain and, uh, it was basically my first time skiing. So Spend oh. uh, spend part of it on my ass, but it was really fun just to be like out in nature. You just forget about all this crap, and it's just yeah, it was just a really beautiful day, and uh, so yeah, it was fun. Oh, I got a question about skiing. Like, isn't there like there's different grades, right? Like green and blue and black. This was cross country, but we okay. are going to do downhill as well. And I want to try snowboarding. I'm like, try, I'm like a summer bear. Like I would rather be in Mexico <laughs> this time of year, but I'm trying to like really embrace it. And like, I've got Christmas cookies all ready to go. So yeah, trying to embrace the winter. 
All right. What about you, Kenny? Plans? Well, I am that story of capitalism being upsetting our lives. So our family is not going to spend this Christmas together. Usually for us, the 24th is the Christmas Eve, you know, waiting for the arrival of Jesus. That's how we grew up, you know, and, and that was the anticipation of food and stuff. Uh, we have to work uh, the 24th, my brother and I, especially since we miss days of work going to Canada. Um, my mother has to work on Saturday, the 25th. So I'm going to drive down to my partner's, um, partner's family's home uh, for one day, but I have to drive back. So I have to drive two hours there and two hours back on the same day uh, because I have to work the next day. But we'll find your joy, you know. Um, uh, I have a great time with my family all the time. We have a very close relationship. Uh, it sucks, you know, that this is not happening right now and in the context of some family, you know, a morning that we have. But, um, you know, I'm grateful every week, every day that I see my family. And I do have to work on gift giving because, <laughs> you know, so you were making me feel bad. <laughs> I have to go look for my partner's gift. And she already gave me part of my gift. We went to a, a musical yesterday, a Golden Girls. Uh, drag show musical oh. in San Francisco and it was beautiful it was funny and um, you know uh, so I feel pressure but uh, I'm happy you know to go I hate the the card lines at the malls right now but I you know I have a partner now again and so gotta come through so I'm inspired by you too and We'll see, you know, just, I guess I just want to wish health to uh, John. Yeah. yeah, I feel better, John. Yeah. And, um, and to everyone, really, you know, enjoy your family while you have it. Time is precious. And so, you know, enjoy your loved ones, you know, even if it's your chosen family, like you said, uh, Jessica. Uh, so, yeah, you know, like I don't want to be a complete downer. So I do find joy in this time, you know, and so I'm going to eat a lot of chocolate. I can tell you that. <laughs> Hey, and if you need help thinking through a, a gift, I'm, I can sometimes be helpful in that. So I, you, you're married, so you know you, you did well. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, what I'm doing wrong? Up my gift game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, well, thank you all for doing this. It was fun. Um, at times, it was a little bit like downer, but it was fun. Let's see. You say we're the bearers of bad news. So, yeah, I mean, just got to be real. You got to keep it real. Well, again, um, oh, we we didn't even mention Eduardo. So, Eduardo, we miss you. Sorry, Merry man. Christmas, Eduardo. Yes. Um, and uh, even though Jessica has replaced you as my mom's favorite, because Eduardo used to be my mom's favorite, now it's Jessica. We'll, we'll miss Eduardo. Uh, miss Eduardo for the intro and outro. I'm sorry, it's not actually, but I agree. I I don't do it as well as he does, but here I'm going to try. Um, so that does it for this week's episode. What's left is a weekly political podcast channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog, what s leftwebnodecom You can find past episodes of this podcast there and connect with us. Um, I remind folks, if you liked anything you heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of our eight platforms on Spotify, iTunes, 
Stitcher, Google Play, um, or the channels BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, or Telegram. Um, if you'd like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. Um, until then, uh, Jessica, thank you very much for doing this. Kenny, always great to have you on the on the show. Um, and happy holidays, Merry Christmas. What what else is it usually? Is this a Hanukkah? Hanukkah, yeah. In fact, you can see that this is like a little menorah. Oh. Um, so, wish you all a happy holidays, and I guess we'll see each other next week. <laughs>